Hello everyone. Welcome to CPPR's Policy Beyond Politics series. This is Akanksha Borauke, Associate Research at CPPR. Today we are going to talk about the newly elected Kerala government's knowledge economy mission. The recent Kerala budget uh, budget's focus is on tackling unemployment in the state through the knowledge economy mission. And the biggest thrust of this plan will be to enhance employability among the educated unemployed in the state. particularly women by making kerala a knowledge society the government is planning to achieve this goal through a multi-pronged approach which will include measures to transform kerala into a digital economy improving the quality of higher education transforming knowledge into innovations that will drive startups and creating a conducive environment for knowledge industries to flourish today i have with me dr shakila shamsu formerly officer uh, on special duty new education policy in the department of higher education ministry of education and who was also the secretary to the erstwhile committee to draft national education policy she is a special advisor at cppr and uh, today's discussion will be on envisioning the knowledge economy so uh, dr shamsu the kerala government is proposing to create a knowledge economy to achieve inclusive and accelerated growth so this would mean modernization of higher education which is the key driver for progress so what do you think uh, what changes do you think will bring about this transformation yeah thank you akansha i think uh, a very relevant topic for us to really take up for discussion but before i really get into the specificities i would really like to also try and understand for the audience that we need to understand what is the difference between what we call an information society a knowledge society and then a knowledge economy i think the uh, the theoretical part of it needs to be very clear now we are all aware that we are we were an agrarian economy which moved on to become an industrial economy and today we are talking in terms of being a knowledge economy now in between this we had this whole idea of having becoming having become what we call an information society now an information society is where you had seen the advent of information and communication technologies which generated a lot of data and this data was available for people to use and it also saw uh, almost a, a herculean effort in trying to connect people through a lot of communication information and communication technologies icts as we tend to generally call them but when you start moving to a knowledge society you are actually trying to create or you are actually involved in the creation as well as the production the transfer distribution and finally the preservation of knowledge for creating a better society that means it it, it is actually when you transform from becoming an information society to a knowledge society and to a knowledge economy the the manner in which knowledge is created the manner in which knowledge is sort of distributed or transferred and finally the preservation of that knowledge for what purpose for having a better society which is leading to let us say conducive environments which is leading to productive development which is leading to economic growth and which is also sustainable now this trajectory has to be understood rather than actually just thinking that we would become a knowledge economy 
without really looking at all these different dimensions of it at the same time i would like to place on record that the kerala development report which was brought out only in february 21 by the outgoing government which has now also taken over as the present government and which is the incumbent government when they talked about actually committing themselves to the creation of a knowledge economy affecting the sectors of health education agriculture industries and so on and recognizing also that the entire transformation will happen through the vehicle of higher education which is the catalyst for all these changes and therefore the economic policies will be based on a will be so created as to promote higher education which will result in skilled youth and skilled job workers or rather a skilled workforce as we may call it now while saying this we must also place on record kerala's performance in 2020 and 2021 i have three basic indicators which really are something that we should note one of course is niti aayog's own sustainable development index and in the sdg index that they brought out for the year 2021 kerala stands first among all the states second is in the school education we have a performance grading index which looks at basically the performance of schools in terms of various parameters or indicators in of let us say infrastructure pupil teacher ratio learning outcomes transition rate retention uh, abilities the uh, quality of the teachers and so on and here also kerala stands among the top 3 states the third is one which was brought out by a non governmental organization the public affairs center in bangalore and incidentally the chairman of the draft national education committee dr k kasturangan heads that also as the as heading that particular ngo in their assessment also the best governed state in this country in the year 2020 was kerala now governance school performance and sustainable development which looks at different parameters kerala has stopped in 2020 2021 as per this indices but now when you talk in terms of the higher education as being the one change that will transform and convert ourselves from a merely an information society to become what we call a knowledge society and moving towards a new level of a knowledge economy you would require a higher education system which is relevant which gives the students and the youngsters what we call the employability skills we need to sort of instill in them the kind of what we call the graduate attributes which adds to their employability employment quotient and make them job ready for the kind of varied jobs that may be available which means the aspect of skilling in higher education becomes very very critical the other aspect is the kind of technological changes that we may have how can we convert to become a digitally literate society while addressing the issues of digital divide that is the second aspect the third is on the research contributions now while on one end you will talk in terms of skilling students 
the other is the promotion of research innovation and also related to the skilling part of it to have entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial skills being given in our youngsters finally it is the scientific and the technical developments that happen that needs to happen which means to create an ecosystem which will catapult the state into becoming a knowledge economy you will have to have a kind of an interface between academic institutions between industry and with the with the government taking the lead but in partnership with also the research laboratories the scientific laboratories that are operating so this is where i think a lot of changes will have to come about in the way we look at the higher education scenario within the country now i think i'll stop at this stage for your this present intervention and maybe as we go forward detail out what could be more specific reforms that could happen uh thank you dr shamsu so as you mentioned higher education will be a key component to you know boost kerala from an information society to a knowledge society so what according to you are the reforms that are you know critical to improving the quality of higher education in the state yes akash so here again i would use a certain data which has just come out a week back you are all aware that the ministry of education brings out an all india survey of higher education which is a database for higher education and the 2019-21 has just been released about a week back and it is very interesting to know that the gross enrollment ratio is at the national level today at something like 27.1 as against that it would be very interesting to see kerala stands at 38.8 as against a national average of 27.1 it is equally interesting to see that while at the national level it is about 26.9 for the males in the ger kerala has 32.9 on the male ger ratio similarly for the females at the national level it is just about 27.3 and kerala has 44.7 now this data relating to the gross enrollment ratio shows that access to education and therefore the participation of students in higher education in the age group of 18 to 23 is quite a heartening or a positive figure what is it that is lacking so on the part of access and even on the equity where you look at the participation of those coming from the marginalized sections like the scheduled castes of the scheduled tribes also you will find that kerala's per indicators are quite above what are the national average rates but it is when it comes to the quality that there are a lot of concerns the concerns and the challenges are not unique to kerala they are seen across a number of other states also because some of these challenges are something that is generally uh, as, as general challenges like a very large higher education system with a lot of affiliated colleges but kerala does not really have that big issue of large affiliating universities quality that is lacking in kerala's higher education system as one of course the fragmentation does remain there because you actually have a hierarchy of courses which are called diplomas through polytechnics then you have your the standalone institutions 
you then have your undergraduate programs and pg programs and your research and if you see the uh, the uh, kind of uh, distribution of higher education institutions there is something like about uh, for the kerala size we are about 23 un- in higher education institutions and something in the range of about 1300 uh, colleges or so and with an enrollment gro- with a uh, absolute enrollment of something like about 754000 or so now while we say this aspect of the quantitative expansion that has been happening because if you see the trend for the last 5 years there is a quantitative expansion what is missing is the how many of these graduates got gainfully employed and also particularly for the engineering education the employability quotient of our higher education technical graduates is abysmally low or they are underemployed in the sense they are not doing core engineering jobs but they are taking up clerical jobs they are taking up service sector related jobs which are not directly related to the program of study so the first reform is to bring about curricular changes which are relevant to the economy and at the same time in inculcate within the students the large gap or the bridge between the world of education and the world of work this needs to be bridged the disconnect between the world of work and the world of education through curricular changes as well as through the pedagogy which needs to include what we call internship programs so you need to have all undergraduate programs having internships the advantage of internships would be that you would actually come to know what is it that the course that you are undergoing and it need not be only for technical education i am talking about the normal undergraduate education which can be in arts or in science or in commerce or in management or any of these areas you need to have internships and apprenticeships so that students know the job relevance of a course that they are undertaking you would be interested to know that in uk and in many other countries in the world any course that is offered by a university it will also indicate what are the kind of competencies that the students will acquire and these competencies would enable them to take what kind of jobs in which sectors so there is a direct correlation that is being brought about by the course or the uh, program of study that a student is undergoing to the relevance that it has in terms of the community and to the kind of industry and to the kind of and to the society itself this linkage between having curricula which is relevant both economically industrially and socially is very critical and i think that is where the first change should happen followed by of course a lot of changes in the manner of teaching learning itself we have moved from a teacher centric uh, uh, learning en- environment to becoming a learner centered learning environment and the learner centered learning environment not looks at not the doesn't look at the teacher as being just an information giver the teacher is seen as a facilitator the teacher is seen as an enabler who can help in actually making the learners learn more effectively and may thereby helping them to become active in the learning process 
active learning environments is what we need in the higher education spaces in our universities and institutions in kerala if you have passive learners and passive learning environments it is unlikely that we will have learners who possess the kind of knowledge capabilities and skills necessary in the 21st century so if you want 21st century graduates to be created and we are in the 21st century good communication skills collaborative learning critical thinking promoting a scientific temper trying to have more cognitive abilities and managing stress doing team work these are all very critical to bring about in the curricular changes in higher education and in the teaching learning pedagogies which means that when you use the word pedagogy it is not just incorporating curricula the curricular transaction of it but also the assessment patterns which means can we move away from rote based learning to testing learning competencies that is very critical so memorization actually has resulted in not doing any good because you will find that students have memorized without any real assimilation resulting in therefore not having the kind of skills that are necessary when they go into the world of so having relevant curricula bringing about the changes in the teaching learning methodologies trying to focus on the 21st century skills giving them soft skills and the skill enhancement programs which is the skilling part of it that skilling is of two types over here 21st century skills is of course not related to the skills part of it but skilling in the in the sense that within higher education the vocationalization of higher education and because you are having the onslaught the advent i would not like to use a negative term like onslaught but the fast advent of in, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and big data and so on you would require students actually be dynamic in the kind of learning environment and also let us say their breadth of knowledge should also be more by having a lot of exposure to vocational subjects also and this is where even the idea of multidisciplinary liberal arts education encompasses that students will be allowed to learn vocational subjects so that their skills part of it is also sort of honed up you see in the domains of learning when we talk about the cognitive the affective and the psychomotor domains of learning the application of knowledge through the skill based kind of learning that you have is very critical and when we talk of skill based education let's not talk about the outmoded lates and so on because technic the kind of technical education that is offered through polytechnics and so on are actually of a very high order where you have 3d printing where you have a lot of artificial intelligence being used over there and robotics being a major part of it so skilling in higher education vocational trades and crafts being brought into the higher education space becomes very critical so that when the students go out into the world of work their cv or their biodata would read for the prospective employer okay this person is having let us say a lateral combination of many skills and competencies which will hold that person in good stand into their employment uh, environment that is the second part of it the soft skills would require good communication skills 
how to really hone yourselves in terms of personality development how do you actually make yourself look at challenges that can happen in a work environment that is the other dimension of it the third dimension is the socio emotional skills so the multiple intelligences in higher education which are totally lacking in higher education institutions within kerala and maybe in many other states too but since we are trying to say what can be done over here is to also incorporate socio emotional skills within the the kind of learning systems that you have within higher education all this would obviously call for a lot of faculty capacity building so having having a lot of training for faculty becomes very critical in terms of improving the quality of teaching now the other dimension is the technology dimension of it the technology dimension would mean that higher education institutions will have to have updated infrastructure upgraded infrastructure as well as the technological devices so that we can move towards blended modes of learning and where there is synchronous learning that is possible the next change that the higher education needs to have is the disconnect between teaching and research and so also the disconnect between school education and higher education so synergies between school education and undergraduate education and developing synergies by in bringing about a lot of emphasis on research that is one of the most critical elements because our undergraduate education and our higher education institutions do not give emphasis on research at all and one of the one of the indicators of a vibrant knowledge society is knowledge creation and knowledge generation which would mean that you will have to have courses in research and innovation courses for entrepreneurship how to create startups bring about design education bring about a ecosystem where close industry academia interaction through establishment of industry academia cells or innovation centers or cluster innovation centers including centers of excellence where you know these kind of efforts for knowledge generation and knowledge production can actually be stimulated and youngsters would be motivated to take up careers in research this has to come about by a very proactive effort to bring about a very close interaction with industry research laboratories find out areas which affect kerala's uh, growth and bring about research in those areas so these need specific research and relevant to the industry and the economy here is the one that needs to come about so this is a lot of transformation <coughs> that we would like to have in higher education and i as a person would feel that it is not something that is daunting or it is not something that is not doable it's just a question of working out what we may say comprehensive strategies of how to go about bringing about this changes in the higher education scenario i know it was a bit long but i think it's very pertinent to understand all these dimensions right so an area of concern that you correctly mentioned is addressing the employability quotient of our students in fact the outgoing finance minister of kerala that is dr thomas isaac 
when so far as to say that unemployment of the educated is the biggest development challenge of kerala so what strategies according to you can be deployed to enhance skills and employability as well as entrepreneurship in graduate students so uh, on the entrepreneurship which is a new area that we are actually looking at uh, the government of india has recently brought about or uh, is in the process of bringing about what they had calling as the science technology and innovation policy and i have seen that the kerala development report also makes a reference of bringing about something similar to a science technology and innovation policy now when you bring about a policy for science technology and innovation you cannot bring about scientific developments and technological changes and create new patents and Uh, develop new products that are better for the betterment of the society unless you teach students entrepreneurship at the undergraduate level so entrepreneurship because there is a lot of risk ultimately when you are doing you are investing to become an entrepreneur the ability of the student to have to take risk is a very critical factor of an entrepreneurial learning and therefore in the undergraduate education having a course for innovation having that is innovation meaning it can be design it can be any other new areas that relate to that it's not to use a very generic term of innovation what do you mean by that technological innovation design education or communication innovations what are the kind of innovations and have courses in that but also have one on entrepreneurship which will give the students and actually make them understand how does it take to create a product go up to the entire stages of the development of the product and finally take it to the market and that ability to do that through the creation of incubation centers which should be set up in the higher education institutions which should be brought about by creating a cluster with industry and therefore seeing what kind of entrepreneurs i mean because when you talk of entrepreneurship you can have it in very uncharted areas but to have it in uncharted areas you should be able to give the students the streak of being able to think out of the box that is precisely how you go about it so the entrepreneurship courses are a critical part of it the second is what the former finance minister talks about the unemployment of the graduates and the underemployment of the graduates and i remember in a earlier discussion that i i was there we had a vice chancellor of one of the universities who happened to be a member of uh, the kerala state public service commission and who said that for the recruitment of an assistant's post in that also uh, in some uh, corporation of the government of kerala the about 80% of the applicants an assistant's post is just a ordinary office related job 80% of the applicants were engineers and that is where the irrelevance of engineering education because of the massive expansion that we went during the liberalization stage has resulted in underemployment as well as unemployed because the kind of engineering education needs a lot of changes so for the skills part of it and i happen to have written a book on skills and employability which was a part of once a workshop that we did for fresh engineering graduates 
and it is very important that in our engineering education as well as in our management education and even otherwise in our regular general education we need to embed courses which which prepare our students with the right type of graduate attributes which will put them into a work environment and here there are two other aspects for the skilling and the employability one is the mandatory internships the second is the apprenticeships so you need to in in inbuilt in a program that a student must necessarily complete either an internship or an apprenticeship depending upon the content that the student is learning now this measures along with soft skills training or what we call the finishing schools which need to be it need not necessarily be offered by the higher education institution and that is where the industry academia uh, interaction becomes very very critical and creation of industry academia interaction cells within higher education that part of the soft skills training needs to come not from the faculty who will be there no doubt but also from the practitioners who are coming from the industry so can we have also a mechanism where on the faculties you can take in adjunct faculty who come in with industry experience so other universities in other parts of the state have experimented with this and find, found that using people from industry for the soft skills training for the technical skills training which are making students have that kind of employability skills is has a value in it therefore these efforts of actually having industry academia interaction on a very sustained basis and not just as a you know as an effort to do it but it has to be with guidelines and so on needs to be done using adjunct faculty that come in from the industry making internships and apprenticeship as mandatory and at the same time introducing courses in innovation and entrepreneurship becomes very very critical to having addressing this gap that you have again what is the uh, what is the skill gaps of course that analysis is usually not done at a state level it is done at a national level there used to be an institute of applied manpower and research which is now called as nilerd if i don't if i'm not mistaken the national institute of labor employment research and development uh, which is a part of a part and parcel of the niti aayog but they don't do a skill gap analysis but for a state i don't think it is very difficult at at its state level disaggregated data to understand what is the skill gap analysis and then have specific courses which could address this issue of the lack of employability skills in our students and i'll just end over there with one aspect and maybe it spills over even um, uh, for other areas that we may talk about when you create industry academia cells don't misunderstand this with placement cells we are so obsessed with campus placement and things like that that we don't understand that industry academia cells are much beyond that it is in terms of actually incubation of ideas and much beyond that while campus placement cells are basically to bring em prospective employers and bring them to the campus and prepare them whereas industry academia is a part of the kind of curricular changes that we would like to have to build in on the skills and the employability of our students on the other end of the spectrum of measures is promoting research and innovation how can this be achieved 
Yeah, so, um, and I, I can't uh, escape not bringing in the idea of the national education policy, where we talked about the National Research Foundation uh, as being an umbrella body which is set up in the office of the principal scientific advisor to the prime minister, which is basically aiming at incorporating research at undergraduate education. And um, you are aware that as a country, our investment in research is less than 2%. Re uh, in terms of the research outputs, both in terms of patents and in terms of publications also, and that is the reason why many of our higher education institutions do not make it into the global rankings. It is relevant that we started the NIRF, and that is the Indian uh, version of our own uh, ranking of our higher education institutions, where we have taken this factor into account that the, the institutional ranking is not using the research output as a critical factor. Whereas if you go by the Times, Times ranking or the Shanghai rankings or the QS rankings, the number of faculty contributions to research the students' contribution to research projects and the number of paper publications in peer-reviewed journals and the development of patents, these are all very significant key indicators which talks in terms of the indices for higher rankings. So the idea of actually looking at research and innovation and this spectrum of it can only be achieved at the moment by one, creating what we call centers of excellence so that we will actually create a, these centers of excellence can incubate and nurture research culture in a few identified higher education institutions. See, you cannot massify everything. And research and innovation needs to remain certain niche at the initial stage before it becomes a part of a culture. So I'm not saying that it needs to remain elitist. The centers of excellence would, would be identified in different areas to promote research and innovation in critical areas, which can be artificial intelligence, which can be some sort of um, specific industries that are relevant to Kerala. But at the same time, in the undergraduate education also, can we have you know, a, a modicum of research projects being encouraged at our undergraduate education? So promoting research over there bringing about subjects like design education, bringing about subjects and having what we call the uh, idea of, you know, there is this whole scheme of utter tinkering labs where you allow students to do a lot of, you know, experimentation so that you can come out with new ideas. So the idea of bringing about innovations and creating innovation labs within the higher education, that can be done at a mass scale and you then concentrate at a niche level or also having something that you call as centers of excellence. But here again, when you have it, the tie-up with research laboratories and the tie-up with industry, the threefold trio coming together becomes very critical. So before we conclude this question, uh, this discussion, I had a final question. A major challenge that we face is the inequitable access to education that actually hinders uh, sustainable development. And the pandemic has made this learning divide even worse, caused by the digital divide, in fact. So how can we mitigate this crisis so there are no grave learning losses for students? Yeah, so this is actually a very uh, widespread 
problem that is faced not only by countries like india but a lot of other countries in the asian subcontinent and the digital divide is something that would require multi pronged strategies to be adopted one hand of course educational institutions would have to have their digital infrastructure being stepped up so a lot of investment that needs to go into the creation and development of digital infrastructure so that remote learning can happen in an effective manner through the educational institutions but one must also understand that people are not there in the educational institutions in the covid pandemic to actually use that digital infrastructure that is created there so at the moment the investment instead of being on the digital infrastructure in the institutions which can be a long term goal would be the immediate need of trying to have addressing it through using other forms of media for the individualized kind of lack of access devices so the lack of digital devices in kerala for example we are seeing a spree of um, uh, you know public representatives donating either smartphones or donating televisions or so on to reach out to people who are below the poverty line and not having access to education uh, their digital devices to uh, access online learning but at the same time we do have community radios we do have television channels we do have print material and i think it needs to use all these things taken together so the digital divide is very much a reality until we are able to actually ensure that with better quality of life that every family has it and which is quite a daunting thing because you cannot think of actually having it for all the families it's very very difficult so sharing of it in a manner that is most uh, uh, let us say pragmatic and usable through using community radios through using print materials using the television programs and the satellite networks while ensuring that the optical fiber network connectivity keeps taking place at the last mile so that people have that kind of connectivity and making offline education also becoming not offline meaning the face to face one that also meaning that it is not a content that is streaming live but at the same time that the student can read and then come back for a shorter duration where there can be other strategies being used but what is more important in this learning losses is the stress that is coming about by having learning that is taking place in a home environment where the peer to peer interaction where the teacher to peer in student interaction these are not really taking place and therefore making the student preparedness and the teacher preparedness uh, as well as parental preparedness to act, how to um, you know come into online learning in a more acceptable uh, manner so that the learning losses are reduced and minimized and incorporating gamification other strategies so that learning without less screen time exposure because screen time is also a very major strain which is also psychological strain this also needs to be looked at so it is a huge concern but it is being addressed to some extent but i think more investment would be required and as a caring society that kerala shows itself to be i think we will be able to find out solutions but 
if we want every student to have a smartphone in the hand i don't think we will be able to reach that at all but we will be able to do it if we take up multiple strategies using other forms of media also along with the kind of uh, digital devices that are necessary to provide for effective learning uh, and you know better remote learning methods thank you so based on our discussion today i believe kerala has the potential to achieve sustainable high economic growth if it manages to transform into a globally linked knowledge based economy there is a very challenging path ahead for the state but uh, with the proposed changes that the state has planned to undertake i believe the goal of creating a knowledge society may not after all be so daunting as you mentioned so uh, with that i would like to conclude this discussion thank you dr shamsu for sharing your insights on this topic with the cppr audience and we look forward to hosting you again soon for more engaging discussions in the area of education policy uh, i would also like to thank all our listeners for joining us and uh, you can listen to all our podcasts on our social media accounts just type policy beyond politics podcast for more research and content from cppr do log into our website www.cppr.in or follow our work on facebook twitter and linkedin or subscribe to our updates on telegram thank you everyone and we'll be back again soon with many more interesting discussions with more eminent scholars thank you <laughs>